This is In the Wings with CTC, produced as a part of Connective Theatre Company's network of podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. Hi, everybody. Welcome to In the Wings with CTC. Thanks so much for listening. My name is Lena Romano, and today I am going to be talking to Sierra Dawn and Amber Washington. They are both sisters and artists in Chicago, and they live together. So I'm really excited uh, to hear your stories and talk to you both. First off, let's start with Amber. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do, theater, film, writing, all of the above? Uh, What's your discipline? I would say I'm a multi-hyphenate creative, which is a term I learned pretty recently. So I was pretty excited when I learned about it because I'm like, this is me. I write, direct, and act. Um, I also do some producing as well, both for uh, stage and screen. Um, I started off my sort of creative journey, um, I would say mostly through the writing field. Um, After college, I was a writing major in college and I did theater um, all throughout like middle school, high school. I did, I was in a theater club in college, but not quite as much. Um, But yeah, so then after college, moved to the city um, of Chicago and I did um, the comedy writing program at Second City, um, which was really cool. It was my first time seeing my words that I wrote come out of an actor's mouth, like on stage, Um, because the culmination of the comedy writing program that they had there um, was you get to put on a sketch show with your other writing classmates and you get to cast it. And um, we have a director come in and um, it was just such a really, yeah, it was, it was an amazing process for me as someone who is who is just trying to figure out how I wanted to do things, how I wanted to express myself. After that, um, I was kind of like focusing on writing for a bit and then started taking acting classes in the city which was great. Um, I think the most formative um, acting classes for me were through Black Box Theater. I loved uh, just like Black Box's curriculum. I loved the teachers. I loved their style. And I feel as though that's truly what formed me as an actor was um, taking classes there. So after that, um, you know, I pretty much kind of have always had this uh, push and pull for a bit of knowing that I didn't just want to audition and knowing that I didn't just want to write. So um, basically trying to find ways to kind of marry the two um, was was something that I was um, trying to figure out for like the first few years that I moved to Chicago. For me, kind of a big answer for that came through um, Second City's Harold Ramos Film School program. I was part of the second class to enroll. It's a year-long filmmaking intensive where you learn directing, screenwriting, and producing, and you can be in your own short films. Um, there's a, yeah, there's like an improv element to it. Like improv classes were was part of our curriculum as well. So um, I applied and got in. Was super excited about it and uh, did the program in 2017, where I I wrote a few different short films that I also um, either directed or co-directed, and I also acted in them. I also acted in my. Um, my like uh, fellow classmates, I was in their films, they were in mine. Like it was a very collaborative sort of film school where you just kind of learn how to be a content creator and how to um, how to collaborate with other um, filmmakers because that 
was very much so Harold Ramis' style. He was very much so a collaborator. That was what they modeled the film school after. Ever since then, um, I've just been kind of doing similar projects like that, either my own independent, um, either short films. I also wrote, um, co-directed and acted in a web series last year that we're in post for. After we shot that web series last year, um, I felt called to start um, doing more things with the Chicago theater scene. So um, I started, um, I went just kind of started going back to acting classes and um, more so for like the collaboration and like the networking aspect of it. And um, yeah, I started just auditioning for non-equity theater out here and that's what I was doing when COVID Mm -hmm. hit. Mm -hmm. Wow, awesome. Sierra, how about you? What's your kind of artistic discipline? Yeah. So I go by Sierra Dawn in case anybody looks me up on IMDb or Broadway World. And with my background, I've been studying acting and theater since middle school and high school. I actually started out dancing whenever I was younger, like classical ballet. And I was like, I thought I was going to be Misty Copeland before Misty Copeland was Misty Copeland. (laughs) (laughs) I like to tell that joke, but, um, you know. I mean, we think acting is hard. The dance world's really hard right, and yeah. even more in and even more exclusive, which mm. is mind blowing. But from that, I transitioned into doing musical theater and theater and, you know, coming up in school. That was where, you know, I felt like I was able to fully just be ex- be myself, express myself and feel like I could elevate a story and flourish. So I knew that I wanted to go to college for it. And I did the Nor- Northwestern University. They have the Cherubs program every summer. It's a theater intensive program in Evanston. So I did that my junior year of high school. And then I ended up going to Emerson College for undergrad where I studied acting. And I really loved my time there. I loved Emerson. It's in Boston, Massachusetts. So there aren't too many Emerson folks in Chicago. There are a few, mighty few. But um, being in Boston was really great. And like being in a conservatory style environment with other kids, you know, from all over at the time was just a really great and fertile training ground for me. Coming from like a private high school that didn't really have a huge arts program. And then during my, the summer of my junior year in college, I actually did the school at Steppenwolf with Steppenwolf Theater back in 2014. But it was really cool because that was my first introduction to Chicago theater and even like just the Chicago style of how they approach acting too. And it was very Meisner based, which was really wonderful and intense, but it was 10 weeks of just like eight hours of Meisner and viewpoints, text analysis, scene study, you know, getting to study with, yeah, Amy Morton and Audrey Francis and John Barry and all these great people. It was, it was a really amazing experience and like formulated me being like, okay, I think this is where I want to be whenever I graduate. So after I wrapped up the school, I went back to Emerson to finish up, you know, my degree. And then once I graduated, I came back to Chicago, moved in with Amber and I signed with an agent and immediately just like started auditioning and doing shows. So I did Next Normal with Boho Theater and I did a couple of shows at Paramount Theater out in Aurora, Little Mermaid, Jesus Christ Superstar, which was very different from school at Steppenwolf. 
And I felt like whenever I first came here, it was very interesting for people to be like, you have school at Steppenwolf, but you also have all these musicals. So who are you? You know, because I feel like in Chicago, like the two coexisting doesn't really happen much. But I'm interested to see if that'll still be the case post-COVID, right? But yeah, I did that. And I even did um, a kid's musical at Chicago Shakes. And then at that point, I was like, because I still love musical theater, but I was like, I feel myself being placed into a specific hole and category that feels very limiting. So I was like, let me just take a step back and reevaluate how I'm approaching things. And since then, I ended up understudying at Steppenwolf for their SYA show um, back in 2018. And from there, kept auditioning and working and eventually did Schoolgirls at The Goodman. I always wanted to be in a show at The Goodman after seeing Race at The Goodman when they did it back in 2008, I think. And it was in the Albert Theater, too. And I was like, I would love to perform in this space, but who knows when that'll happen. And then lo and behold, it did. I mean, short, but it did. And especially with that amazing team with Lillian and being able to be in an artistic room, especially at that theater with that level of a contract, having all black women, I'm like, this doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen really in theater. Um, unless it's something that's like, you know, that's that um, black ensemble theater or something that's But even then, it may not even be all women. Right, right. <laughs> so the fact that it was all black women in this space at the Goodman was remarkable, was really remarkable. And then COVID happened. Yeah, school, school Girls is coming back, though. It is. It is coming back next season. Whenever they made the announcement. I did. See, I saw you actually. I caught it before COVID happened. So it was great. I loved it. And I'm excited to see it again when it comes back. I also teach yoga. So I've been teaching yoga and taking a lot of online classes. And that's what I've been up to. What was it like growing up in theater together? Did you grow up like in an artistic family? What was that like? Yeah, um, I would say we didn't necessarily grow up in an artistic family. Um, I would say Sierra and I are probably the most um, artistic out of pretty much most everyone else in our family. Um, the school that we went to uh, was very small, um, very small private school in the deep south. And um, what money, what little money they did have for, you know, extracurriculars tend, tended to go to sports. Um, so, when, yeah, when we first started there, there was no really music program. There was no theater program. You know, there was nothing. But... Um, it, they started to, whenever I was in middle school, um, the Sierra's like two years behind me. So when I got to around eighth grade, that's when they brought in a whole new, like musical director to kind of like come in and like bring the arts to the school. And, um, so yeah, Sierra and I, and like our other friends were, were very just kind of that first, that very first group of people to introduce the arts to our school and like I said super low low to no budget like it was very ragtag um but I don't know it was kind of ours so yeah the first the first thing we did together was uh you're a good man Charlie Brown um that was the first musical that our school did and (laughs) it was the first play that like we were in together which was cool what what did you each play I was Snoopy Mm -hmm. mm-hmm and I was um they added a role for the Woodstock bird. I was a Woodstock bird. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's so I fun. I was a freshman. 
when that when that when we did that one. Yeah. So um so that was our first musical we did together. Um, slash play. We only did musicals together. Um, they because they really that was what they kind of put most of their efforts into. They would have small straight plays here and there, um, but we were never in those together. We were only in musicals. So we were in that one, and then after that, it was the Fantastics, um, where and yeah, we both Sierra did that one together too. Louisa, yeah, and I played Bellamy like her. It was, it was a father in the play, but they made it into a mother role. So I played her mother in that one. Um, and then my last musical was Fame. That was my senior year, um, where I played Coco in that one. Yeah, were you in that one? Sarah? Yes, I was, but I don't remember what role I was. I don't, I don't remember either. <laughs> yeah, um, different things like that. So, yeah. Did you did you like doing shows yeah. together? It was always a good time. I think it was super fun. I think the only time was like. The only time we went for the same role was for the Fantastics. Sierra got it. Um, but it was still fun playing the mother. But I think every other show, like, we didn't even go for the same characters. So there was no, like, real overlap there. No, because, like, with our program, it wasn't, like, it. Tre- our, our program was really so small and ragtag. It wasn't, like, a school that had a larger budget that's like every year we're going to audition this play and this musical and have so many kids auditioning. So it's like, who's going to get it? That was not really a thing for us just because of how, just because of the nature of how our school was, it was so math and science and the arts were this tiny. So it was just kind of like all the people who really wanted to do it. And then just kind of seeing who played what did your paths ever cross in college, really? Oh, no. I would say our college experiences were almost like polar opposite in a lot of ways. So, like, I, for a while, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to be a minister for a while. Um, so, yeah, I thought about ministry. And then I thought I maybe wanted to be a psychologist and do, like, marriage and family therapy. And then, it's, and then after a while, I realized I don't enjoy talking to people in that way or giving them advice or it just wasn't really my passion and um but I always was um like I said I always was a writer I always was a reader it was that's what I loved doing um but I didn't really know what you could do with it because I knew I didn't want to teach um but then when I switched my major over to English um there was a writing concentration you could do that was like a subsect of the of the English major. And I thought maybe I would want to be a copywriter in in the ad world. And I tried to do that for a bit while I was also doing, um, you know, the Second City writing classes and things like that. It took me a while to really um, settle in like to the arts or as like, okay, this is what I'm going to pursue fully. You know, I always thought I was like, okay, I have to pursue other things at the same time or you know, and I and I still kind of do. Like I said, as like a multi hyphenate, you know, I'm I feel as though I'm constantly trying to learn how to approach creativity from multiple sides. But yeah, I feel like that was like a completely different path than what Sierra took where she went particularly for, you know, theater and acting. Did you do a BFA at Emerson, Sierra? I did. They have it now where like every theater major is BFA. Because whenever I was there, it was technically a Bachelor of Arts in Acting. But that exact same major is now BFA Theater Performance. So 
Emerson is now a like all BFA if you're studying theater of any discipline. With me going there, I was able to really tailor what classes I wanted to take, which I was like, I was really excited to just go all in, especially at a school that was specifically like arts and communications based with like, you know, theater and film and journalism. Very, very, very artsy and the polar opposite of my high school, which was really fun and also had its challenges, too, of being in a theater program with like other students who came from performing arts high schools. And honestly, I felt like I was behind. I was like, wow, they're like way ahead of me, like these kids who went to LaGuardia or the I think it's the HPAV which is like the big performing arts high school in Houston, which is just four hours from where we live. Because in high school, like I begged my mom, I was like, I don't want to still go here. There's a performing arts school in New Orleans I want to go to that like I just know will be so much better for me. But my parents didn't want me to leave home. So I was stuck where I was. Um, Okay, so how did you each end up in Chicago? Did you move together or just both end up here? Uh, Well, I got here first. Went to Wheaton College, which is a suburb of Chicago. So um, I graduated in 2013 and I moved a month after graduation to the city um, with one of my best friends from college. Um, We knew that we wanted to moved to a city after <laughs> after the school that we went to, which was, I don't know how much you or anyone in the audience might know about Wheaton College, but it's very just like, it's a very strictly evangelical, like Christian school. Uh, we have to like sign a covenant every year, say we wouldn't like drink or smoke or have sex or dance in like a, si- well, how do they phrase it? You can't dance in a sinful or harmfully erotic way. <laughs> it's, it was so it was like footloose. Yeah. So yeah, it was very much so a, a Christian bubble type of school where we went to. And particularly as women of color there, um, we just felt we were pretty much sick of it by the end of it. It was it was a very white evangelical school. So we were pretty darn ready to go by the end. Um, so both me and my best friend both moved to the city of Chicago um, right after we graduated, um, which wasn't, you know, which really wasn't hard that hard to do because we were like somewhat familiar with Chicago, like going to a school that was in the suburbs. All that being said, living in the city was very different <laughs> from being in the school that I went to, um, the web series that I actually made last year is a lot about that, about that transition from a very sort of like isolated um, Christian environment during like your very formative early 20s, transitioning from that to the real world was a lot tougher than I thought it would be. Um, I thought I would just kind of come out of there, guns ablazing, ready to you know, ready to just be like everybody else. And it wasn't that easy. It was it was a little bit tough. So that's kind of how I ended up in Chicago. Um, 2013, definitely spent the first few years kind of floundering, like most people do after college, I think. But add on top of that, kind of going to the type of school that I went to um, and also trying to figure out how I wanted to like form my creative career as well was kind of how that happened. But yeah, I've, I've been here since then. How about you, Sierra? When did you move to Chicago? Um, I moved after I graduated in May 2015 um, because I did school at Steppenwolf 
in the summer of 2014. So that was my introduction into Chicago theater and the Chicago theater scene, you know, through the teachers I had and like knowing that they were based here. And a lot of my other classmates at the time were also like Chicago actors and had been auditioning for years. Like I was the youngest person in my school acceptable class. I turned 21 during the program. And because of that experience was a very transformational one for me as an artist, I was like, okay. I was like, I think this is the place where I should be after I graduate. Cause in Boston, like people from Emerson typically go to New York straight away or go to LA straight away. And at the time I still didn't feel ready to say like, go to New York and live by myself without an agent or manager and just pound the pavement. Like at the time I was like, you know, maybe I can work my way there and be able to work with, you know, Steppenwolf Theater and these artists that I met here and get to do plays with them and just kind of build myself from the ground up, so to speak, as an artist. Because I feel like certain actor training programs really filter their students to go straight to, you know, Broadway, television, um, and others where it's like, it's, it's lucky if it happens for you right away. But I feel like for most theater programs anywhere, especially if it's, you know, quality classes and professors, it still takes time for you to be like, okay, I'm out of the conservatory bubble. So who am I outside of what my professors cast me or didn't cast me as, you know, especially as a black woman in a conservatory style training. I talk about this a lot with my other black actress friends from Chicago who may have like gone to DePaul or Northwestern or Roosevelt. And it's kind of crazy how I'm like, no matter what school you go to, we all have such similar experiences of how unseen we were within those training programs because and that wasn't even long ago. That was just, what, 2015, 2016. And it was still so cishet white male, cishet white female that the professor's like, oh, she looks like she'd be a leading lady. Like, those are the students who always were catapulted for, where the rest of us are like, well, what about us? Like, we're still here. <laughs> and especially, in, like, not even all of these programs focus on, like, doing work from Black plays, especially specifically new Black work, which has been growing like every year, I find. And so I'm kind of at the point now with a lot of these conservatory training programs, especially for undergrad of, okay, how many of you are actually doing the work of bringing new plays into your training programs and not just the same, you know, Doll's House, Barry Child, which are great. They're classics, but it's like, if you're only going to do these dramas from the 70s and 80s for white people, where does that leave the rest of us? So it took time for me once I got here to really just, again, find, okay, where do I fit in? And feeling like, oh, I do musicals really well and play, so I'll just be able to do both. And realizing Chicago's not really a town that does that that much, that much crossover, really. It happens very little, but not much. And realizing, oh, I'm being put in this hole, in this pigeon very quickly and just kept there because it's like, okay, this is your this is your space where you keep on making this same money. All right, we're going to just keep you there instead of, well, what about what I want to do as an artist? I'm still really young and I have, you know, the, the ability and capacity to do more and finding the right people that will let you you know, the gatekeepers 
there's a lot of that in Chicago. I mean, probably elsewhere too, but a lot of gatekeeping. That's a good word. Yeah. You definitely find that in like the film industry here as well. Um, and hopefully that's changing. You know, I, there's been a lot of talk about that changing. So hopefully that will also change. But yeah, uh, I was actually just talking with a friend of mine the other day and um, he's a black male and he's talking about how like he's so tired of whenever he sent um, an audition for, you know, one of the shows that film out here is the same ones, the same kind of like hood, ghetto sort of tough and rough and grumble lines and that's just not him. And he's just like, I'm so tired of just getting these over and over and over and over and over and over again. Like, he's so frustrated by that. Like, the Chicago independent um, film scene is growing, which um, has been really encouraging for me to be a part of and to witness. Um, I think that, like, open, OTV, open television, has been a, an amazing, like, resource. Like, Brown Girls came out of there. Um, You're So Talented came out of there too. And I think it's showing how there are so many creative filmmakers in Chicago who are just kind of maybe even going through a similar thing of I'm tired of getting these sort of roles, both for theater and on camera. Let me make my own opportunities. And they're doing it and they're collaborating with other super talented people who also want to do the same thing. And they're making it themselves and they're putting it out there and people are liking it and wanting to see more. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. There's a mark like, we can do this, there's a market for this. And um, it's been super encouraging to to see these sort of like independent production companies around Chicago kind of sprouting up and making their own content. And I'm super interested to see where they go. And I'm hoping that more success stories, you know, like, you know, Brown Girls or You're So Talented happen. Um, and I think they will, I hope so. Yeah, they're, they're this big, you know, push for anti-racism within theater that's happening now more than ever is like amazing. And I think Sierra, you talked about um, how, well, both of you actually, there are issues within schools too, though, you know, like theater programs, that's the foundation of of people's education. So like it needs to be from the bottom up kind of. Right. It's a, it's an institutional issue, you know, Um, because even with how seasons are picked, and how a lot of theaters, which I mean, I understand, and this was before COVID, before this recession that we're about to enter in where things are really going to change. And we'll also see which theaters, quite frankly, survive, especially non-equity theaters. But you'd have these larger houses that don't always commit themselves to doing not necessarily progressive, but like, let's change things because they're thinking about subscriber base. It's very business of these are our pres- our subscribers from this wealthy neighborhood. And that is how we keep getting our contributions and everything else. So at the end of the day, I understand it's a business, especially in a country where theater isn't subsidized by the government. You know, that makes a huge difference. It's like, okay, so if it's a lot for profit, or again, like this is where our money's coming from. It's like, sure, I want to do more, but it's the fear of, well, what about our subscribers? And I think that that's going to be the big test, especially once theaters are able to open again, specifically for Chicago. Because I feel like, you know, the New York market is different and different, like national theater markets may, you know, be a little different, but just a will it still be we're depending on our subscribers or are we really going to take in, especially that letter written by all of the BIPOC theater artists, the We See You, it's like, so you reading that, 
saying that you understand it, and then your theater making a Black Lives Matter statement, it's going to be a real test of, was that just lip service? Or and what are you actually going to do? That is a good segue into um, a question about COVID specifically. Like, how do you think that theater, film, the arts in general, how do you, what do you think this industry will look like after COVID? Do you think like this new virtual age we're in will kind of carry over? Will things go back to normal? Like in quotes, um, should they go, you know, like what is normal kind of, um, what do you see changing after this? It'll look different across the board. I feel like at least with film and like with the on-camera world, a lot of things are starting up back already. You know, it's just with the nature of how you're able to be on set for a commercial or a television or a film is just different than like being in rehearsals and then being in an enclosed room theater space with like 800 audience members. So the nature of the beast is different of like who can start up quicker. Um, I find that, yeah, with theater, it'll be... It'll be interesting to see what theaters choose to do with their seasons, especially because like both COVID and Black this Black Lives Matter movement happened at the same time. And a lot of theaters, you know, because it's like, well, we're in we're dark. So inter- like dark, like, you know, we're not running. Our operation of business isn't really running. So it's been a case of since you have so much time, then let's openly all talk about what our experiences have been as Black artists, either actors or even, you know, producers, directors, stage managers, truly all across the board. Like, let's all talk about what we've been going through and how it's, again, the same for so many people across all different cities across the country. It's like, so what are you going to do to shift that? What are you going to do to change that? Because, you know, theater... Of, of all of them is taking the hardest hit, you know, because we can't be on stage. We can't be in front of people speaking, yelling, or singing without worrying about this virus. And it'll be a case of, you know, of course, who will be able to like open back up, right? And who will be able to come back and tell their stories? And it'll be interesting, like, what stories are we gonna decide to tell? And a lot of theaters during this time have been doing the online streaming thing, which schoolgirls also did. And I actually, I personally found that to be really eye-opening of just, oh, so we have the capability to make theater really accessible for everyone. Because, you know, we have family members in Louisiana who weren't able to come all the way up to Chicago and get on a plane, but they were able to stream it on like a device and see it. And they normally don't see theater because so many areas in this country aren't really able to see theater unless you're near a major metropolitan city or area. So how can we adapt with the times of technology and be able to use streaming in tandem with theater to help keep it alive and also let more people have access to see it? Because it's all about access, like who has the money to pay like a hundred up to 600, whether it's Chicago, Broadway, wherever to go and just see a play. And what are we going to do to really shift that? Because even that same audience base, those older, you know, wealthier folks, um, they're being hit the hardest with COVID. So what is that going to look like if there's a lot less of them for us to be able to stay relevant and be accessible to others? and like allowing this filming medium to take place. And like, you know, with on set, 
with uh, television and film. They're doing a lot of COVID distancing. It's crazy. From a lot of the articles I've been reading and like friends I've had who've been on commercial sets within the past three weeks, I've been like, it's very different. Very different of just like spacing and constant temperature taking and testing and quarantining people before getting onto set and what are you allowed to do on set physically with each other and not. It's it's like a, I don't want to say circus, but it's like a never ending new cycle of, okay, so this is different today. It's constantly changing as they're adapting and trying to get TV filmed and commercials filmed. So yeah, it's just, it's been an interesting, an interesting ride. It's so interesting. Um, I think just the nature of filmmaking versus theater is so different. And I think that's why um, like on-camera projects are opening up sooner because the whole nature of theater is having a bunch of people in a room to, to watch this thing going on as opposed to say like being on set. You know, you can have these like intimate two-person, three-person scenes and um, and just kind of isolate and be able to shoot that. Um, I was actually on, I was able to like kind of do some really cool networking opportunities through these online initiatives to connect um, young black um, writers to um, network executives. And I was talking to one from Freeform on Friday and um, they said that basically all their writers rooms are back. You know, people are in writers rooms again for these shows. Um, uh, there's show, there's a, a new show that came out this weekend, Love in the Time of Corona, that they had to kind of shoot in these actors, in these like famous actors' homes and like sending them cameras. Like the director is outside in a tent, you know, directing these actors inside their homes through a monitor and a, and a head and like a walkie talkie, you know? And I think there's another project, I forget the name of, that Zendaya was able to be in. Um, yeah, with yeah. Uh, John David Washington, right. Sam Levinson, who's the Euphoria creator, like wrote a short film for them to do mm-hmm. at some remote home in wherever Southern right. California where they but just- But a whole crew quarantined and did it. Yeah, which you're able to do with like a small, intimate, relation-based sort of story, which that seems to be like, I see them being like, oh, <laughs> I see that kind of being, um, the prevalent kind of story, like the stories we'll see on camera right now because it'll just be easier to shoot that as opposed to larger wide shots where you have a bunch of extras, you know, and people have to be coming in and out. And there's a bunch of moving parts. Like I see, I see just a bunch of two person scenes kind of being, you know, the main stuff that we're seeing on camera for a while because that's just what's safer to shoot and more just logistically possible. You know, you're living in a state where you know, 50 people is the limit for how many you can have in a room. And even that, even having that much in a room is still considered not very safe. You know, you factor in crew of that, you know, with actors and all that, that, that number, you meet that very, very quickly. So it just makes more sense to just kind of like, yeah, just be t- kind of creating these like relationship-based stories where it can just be two, maybe three people three actors in a room where a director can be in the next room and there's not many other moving parts to it. So you can just kind of focus on these like kind of character based stories. I don't know. I kind of see that happening. I've heard that for crowd scenes, they're going to do green screen. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Which maybe could work. I mean, you know, it happens all the time. What a world.
we're in right now. So as sisters in the industry and you live together, you're close. Um, how do you think your path in the arts has been affected or changed by you both being in a similar industry? Like, is it nice to have that support and someone who understands? What's that like? Yeah, it's definitely nice to have that support because we are the only two people pretty much in our family who is in this industry. So we come from, a, you know, like the deep South um, from Louisiana and um, there's not as much of an understanding of exactly what this industry is, what it's like, what all it entails and all the different ways to get into it. You know, that's not fully understood by that many people. Um, so I think it's, you know, it's great to like, you know, we are able to be like, okay, no, we, we see how this goes. We understand how this is. You can go on an audition and never hear back again, you know, mm -hmm. but if you tell your family about it, they're going to be asking you every two seconds, like, wait, wait, how'd it go? How'd it go? And it's like, right. more often than not, you're not going to hear back. That's just the nature of the beast. And you asking me constantly is not making this any better. So, right. you know, um, so it's great to have someone in your family who is also going through that too and who understands it. Um, I also think that because our paths we're so different and continue to be so different in how we do what we do. There's definitely overlap, but we we both kind of came to it in such organically different ways that it never truly felt like we were doing the same thing at one time. Um, and maybe there will be times where we are doing that, but up till now, at least, I feel that the nature of our paths have been different, even if they've been parallel at times yeah 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 I can um I can attest to that in that yeah the paralleling but still having the different paths and I think a lot of that yeah is because of like us having different paths in school after high school you know was a big part of that and how we yeah came to be where we currently are and like where you know we want to go forward it's it's different from each other but I do agree that like in our family, yeah, it is nice to just, you know, have that person because the artists who are able to have a leg up quicker are those who have immediate family that are already doing it. Like their mom or dad was a director, costumer, something. So they were like in that world since they were children. And whenever you were like, I come from, I mean, truly no matter, I mean, I was, I was going to say no matter what race, but I do feel especially, yeah, even for black families where it's just like, really like, huh, what is that? Especially in an area that's not like, we didn't grow up in New Orleans, which has music and some arts. We're like two and a half hours outside of New Orleans from a rural town. And there are so many places like that around where it's like, yeah, I'm just the only one who did it. You know, my parents are very, you know, blue collar my family just comes from that kind of background like we didn't come from some major city where yeah they did directing or we're a musician what have you especially um uh, whenever I think back in college yeah the, again whenever I felt that intimidation of oh you went to like LaGuardia and your parents sang at the Met and like you're I was like there's just so much more that you know but to be able to have each other instead of being like, I'm just the lone ranger really on my own, forging my own path. We are able to hold each other up whenever there's no one else around us in terms of like immediate biological family that yeah, have right. a similar path 
in any way. Well, so, but Sierra, you're, you're moving soon, right? To LA? Yes. Yes, I am. When do you go? I'm going in the fall. And okay, are you excited? I am excited. I'm excited. And of course, you know, there's anxiety around that too, of just a different place. More than anxiety, it's like a excitement, truly an excitement to be able to be in a larger market. And of course, a different market while knowing that Chicago is always here. You know, whenever schoolgirls can go back on stage, I'll definitely be here for that. And um, I was going to ask, so you're going to be in it, right? Still? Uh, or, yeah. or no, you're going to come watch, you mean? Oh, no, I'd still be involved in it. You're still in it. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, got it. Because we, we, we never got our opening night. So, I mean, I want to Yeah, okay, our great. <laughs> I want to have an opening night, absolutely. And, um, you know, there are also certain connections with artists here that I make that I made that I don't, ex- that I expect to like always be there, you know? And there's also yeah. a lot of Chicago transferring over to LA and New York. Um, a lot of other artists here that I know, or even that I came up with from whenever I moved here have gone out to the West coast or the East coast and knowing that, yeah, I'm transitioning, but I know people there. I know artists there. Those people who, like, I have my classes with, who I did non-equity shows with, who were out there and doing their thing. Like, to be able to have, like, a little Chicago mafia feels really cool. And, like, also reassuring. Yeah, and also, like, reassuring of, while it's a new space, I know there are familiar faces and familiar spirits. Well, I guess it's hard, too, moving in a pandemic, you know? Like, I was going to say, like, are you going to go visit? Yeah, no, we'll definitely visit. And like, and who knows in a couple years, you know, like, cause moving potentially to LA has always been in the cards for me too, at least for a bit. So who knows literally in like a year or two, we might be in the same city again, you know, who knows? Um, like currently I feel like with the web series that I made and, um, like some other products I've been in, like, and going to film school here too. I feel like a lot of my collaborators are here still. Um, I know we can get up at the at the drop of a dime and just kind of like make a film together if we wanted to, um, which is what's holding me, still holding me here right now. But, you know, things are changing at a rapid rate and no one, I have no idea what this next year will bring. So, you know, I definitely don't think that this will be our last time living in the same city. Um, you know, it, it might happen just on and off for, you know, <laughs> the next 10 years or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Obviously, you want to continue working in, you know, film and theater and the arts. Um, any, like, big goals or, like, dream parts or things you want to accomplish? Yeah. Uh, well, for me personally, you know, I'm in post with this web series. I'm trying to get it, like, done and ready to submit to festivals and show um, by the winter. So it's called Kayla of Galilee, if you want to follow it on social media. Um, so that's a big goal of mine that's been about a year in the making and I'm really excited about it and I collaborated with such amazing people and I can't wait to also have this project be a platform for them as well. Um, it was created every like kind of position like um, from directing to DP to editing was either by BIPOC people or women, oftentimes both. And um, that was that was really important to me to be able to do. Um, yeah. And so while I'm doing that, also, I'm, I'm very interested to see how Chicago will open up its theater scene again. Um, I got cast in my first on equity show 
right when things shut down. So I truly was only just starting to dip my toe um, into it. So um, knowing that I'll be here for a while longer, I'm, I'm really interested to see how the theater scene here will kind of open up again and get back on his feet. Even just being involved with CTC, um, you know, is awesome. And I, I love the projects that we're doing and this podcast, other podcasts that we're a part of, I'm, I'm really excited about. And yeah, just a lot of like kind of online opportunities. There's different um, programs because of COVID, like things, it's, it's so interesting how normally like a, an area specific opportunity, like say uh, an acting class you can take or even an acting program you can take, you can take online. And so I've been applying to some of those and um, I still have something, you know, I'm still waiting to kind of see the results of them so I won't put them by name, but I'm super excited about the, the idea of being able to explore those opportunities while still being here for now and seeing what kind of doors they open. And also seeing how just the audition process for on camera kind of can change, you know, um, or even say on stage, you can, you know, taped auditions are just where it's at right now. So it's so fascinating to see what kind of opportunities that can open for you in a whole nother state. And you, you know, and you the whole audition process is from your house in a totally different state. So I'm just super curious to see how it all kind of comes together in 2021. Um, for me, I mean, <laughs> for dream roles, that's a, we don't have to get a long list. Long list of things I want to do and be a part of that I have in my whole little manifestation book that is for me, to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, for me, it really is just like, the goal has always been to be a working actor that is a, like primarily makes their living off of that, being an actor. And there are like a list of directors and writers that I really want to collaborate with and get to work with and create those relationships. And, you know, building that relationship portfolio, which of course my sister is always going to be in. And I already know that that's there and continue with that list of other artists where I'm like, I would love to meet you. I like to keep my tabs on a lot of what exciting new artists, particularly, yeah, BIPOC artists are creating, you know, because I'm, I find that a lot of the art that's been inspiring me lately have been things created by inclusive women and um, other BIPOC experiences outside of mine, but are still outside of the realm of white centeredness, you know, and what, how are you telling your stories and how can we all get together to be like, we're here and you all love watching us. So let's all just get paid and like elevate our lives. You know, that's, that's where I'm at. <laughs> And um, I've been doing uh, classes with a, it's an initiative, Cast Black Talent, that started during this whole movement that I've been, you know, really excited to be a part of. Being able to do classes and play readings, it's been awesome. And I'm just hopeful that more of those platforms continue and aren't just a phase. I'm like, this should, this is permanent, guys. This isn't just a phase. This is, this is, this is the yeah. new normal. Yeah not having it be a phase and having it be the new normal is also very important to me, both on mm. camera and on stage. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> well, this br it brings us to the end of our this episode and this conversation. 
thank you both so much. This was so fun. And I just appreciate you both so much being here. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Mm-hmm.